All right, just come over here for a second. It sounds great. I just want to ask you about something. Listen, I got two words to describe that idea. Insane. An unauthorized wiretap's a felony part. You know what? And we're doing it 20 times a day. Ow! Addy! One crazy get-up you got there, fella. Yeah, thank you. Are you in the show? Uh, no, actually, I'm English. <sighs> Sorry. All that counts is we're alive and rubbing elbows with the greats. Wait a minute, they're not so great. Okay, but they're... Al Sharpton! Ah! Tom Arnold! Yeah, ain't that a kick of the teeth? I mean, my shows weren't great, but I never tied people up and forced them to watch. And I could've, because I'm a big guy and I'm good with knots. Well, here we are. Congratulations. It's Tom Arnold. The 150th episode of Don't Praise the Machine. It's a podcast. And man, is it exciting. I, I'm thinking about 150 episodes. Boy, that goes back to... That's a lot of episodes. That's more than I would have imagined the first time I talked to you guys. <laughs> Three would have been a lot then. But let me say, my favorite... Uh, my favorite episode, and there, again, so many to choose from, uh, was the one where uh, John, it was John Al, Meryl Streep, and a horse. I don't remember what happened, but I do, those things pop out. That's the way I remember it. They're all good. What can I say? Yeah, you know, it's just, uh, it's been wonderful uh, listening to it, and uh, boy, if I recommend it to everybody, I do, I ever, literally everybody. You got it here. The name, Don't Praise the Machine. Such a good name. And if only the content lived up to that name. But that doesn't, you know, most important thing is you got a great freaking name. That's what I love. What am I doing to celebrate? Obviously, everything. You know, it's not like I'm sitting around in my office in my shorts. No, I mean, I'm really, <laughs> it's not like my kids are in the other room trying to get them to take a bath. You know, it's a, I'm celebrating, it's partying. We got a whole thing going. Look at this deal here. This deal here. We got like that's a that's big, you know. I'm doing it all. I'm doing. I'm sober. Otherwise, I, I still might. It's been. I haven't had a drink since 1989. But this is a pretty big occasion. This is a pretty big occasion. Let's see how the night goes. Anyway, congratulations and to 150 more. That seems like a lot. All right. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. I'm one of your hosts. I go by the name Alexander Holland. I'm sat here in Berlin, Germany, and as always, I'm sat digitally across from my number one pod partner. He's got to be the one called... John Maloney. John Maloney down there in Melbourne, Australia. And first and foremost, let me give a real big thank you to best friend of the show that we just heard <laughs> from with his very special 150th episode. Congratulations. He's got to be the one called Tom Arnold. Guys, it's me, Tom Arnold. <laughs> That's and, good. That was a good one. <laughs> and John, why don't you give the, the newer listeners a little bit of a background mm. on why why Tom's popped in today yeah. to give us a special message. Sure. I'd love to. Tom <laughs> is a big part of the lore, L-O-R-E, of the show. People who joined us early in the show's run will know that we got obsessed in some of the early episodes with the film True Lies. Yeah. And that was one of Tom Arnold's most well-known roles, I think it's fair to say. He's had, a, he's had obviously, a distinguished career, and people will argue about the highlights of that career, but certainly... True Lies is a memorable outing. And we also got obsessed with the, or really I did, with the capacity to direct celebrities to say things that you wanted them to say using Cameo, Memo, other <laughs> platforms where you'd pay them, you know, anything from 50 bucks to a thousand bucks to get them to wish you well or promote your product or whatever. And I thought then, that 
I was making a joke when I talked about the possibility of doing that so many times that you develop a kind of de facto, you know, rapport with that person. But if we've done that with anyone, we've done it with Tom Arnold because I got it. I got him to do it for the 50th episode, for the 100th episode, and then yeah. again for the 150th episode. And you can hear in his voice that he, and in what he says, that he knows us or knows of us. And he, uh, it's quite lovely. Putting his kids through college, he loves nothing more than to open his Cameo application, go into the back mm. end, and he just sees waiting for him in there an inbox request from John Maloney, and he goes, oh, God, I, I think I know this name. <laughs> and then... And then and then you then you say hi, Tom. It's your old friend John Maloney. I'm sure I mm. don't need any introduction. I'm from the <laughs> yeah, podcast. Exactly. Don't praise the machine. So that's his third. <laughs> that's his third time with us. I think it. Yeah, must be right. And then uh, what happened this time round? I'll pull the curtain back a little bit on it. I sent a request through the standard channels probably a few weeks ago, so I had plenty of time for him to get his shit together and respond because I know that. He lives a chaotic lifestyle. He's a busy man. So I gave him plenty of time. He didn't complete it in the time, so the request gets automatically cancelled. And I had given him a very polite, slightly long-winded set of instructions. You know, hi, Tom. We love you. You did it for us twice before. Blah, blah, blah. We'd love to hear from you again. No response cancelled. So then I said, this week... I sent a kind of a more urgent request, which pay, you got to pay a little bit more for, and uh, and I just was far more dictatorial in my Kurt. message. I was just like, "Do one hundred and fiftieth big up? What's your favourite app? Why why do you like the show? Who have you recommended the show to?" And <laughs> etc. And uh, he seemed to respond to that, you know, authoritative tone. And yeah. it got back to me within about, like, probably within half a day. So that was that was great. So thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. I do still imagine that at some point we'll be on stage on stage in the United States mm. doing a live podcast to a packed auditorium, and yeah. Tom will just be calling us up, begging to come on stage <laughs> with us. Yeah. We won't be able to get him. to yeah. still have to block his number. And we'll all remember the time that John had to pester him. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> to do a cameo, yeah. to do a to do a little to do a cameo, John. One hundred and fifty mm. episodes. Mm. Your dream come true. You said it's, to me. You said yeah. to me when you were in your absolute depths of despair. You said, <laughs> oh, "I need something else. I need help. What can you do for me? I need something." <laughs> And I said, oh, I'm hanging I'm, by a thread. I'm hanging by a thread here. You got to do something for me. And <laughs> I said, well, I'm pretty good with audio. And yeah. a lot of men are learning about themselves and coming together through the art of podcastery. And mm. and I said, I've just picked Maybe up. You a, could just picked up a book. Find yourself through that. I've just picked up a, a I've just picked up a book called Progress mm. Through Podcastery. And it sounds, <laughs> and I've just finished it. I've just yeah. finished progress through podcastery, and it sounds like what you could use. And so I started, and you really began to come out of your funk and out of your shell. <laughs> I did, yeah. And look, it hasn't been completely linear. There's been some ups and downs. Uh, sometimes I think that old black dog's going to overtake me and then i think we've just got to keep going to 150 <laughs> now now here we are and i was having a bit of a look at the you know where we stand in relation to other podcasts yeah now, interesting. you know obviously the range is pretty immense so there's some that have just put out hundreds although it's hard to tell how many of them are repeats like something like and something like This American Life, yeah. you know, every episode you listen to is from before I was born now. So it's <laughs> it's hard to know how many original apps they've done. But, for example, Reply All, which was a very very successful podcast, 
which was between 2014 and 2022, only 189 episodes. So over wow. eight years, they accomplished just slightly more than we did. They in, did deep what, dives. What three years. Yeah. They, they did deep dives where we do little shallow splish splashes. Yeah, we do. We were in the 25 meter pool and we're <laughs> down the shallow end of that pool. <laughs> but yeah, there is that statistic, isn't there, about. 99% of podcasts don't make it past the first three episodes. Mm. And and one person who personifies that is your favourite and mine, Ilaria Baldwin, <laughs> uh, who's had three goes at podcasting. Um, and <laughs> all of them, I think, have probably, you could chalk up as a success in one way or another, but... The first one, I think it was the first one, was Mom Brain. Yeah. And that went for 126 episodes, so that's pretty good. Uh, and then the other two, slightly harder, What's One More, went for 17 episodes. That's one that I think she did alongside Alec. And then she did Witches Anonymous, which went for a grand total of 10 episodes. <laughs> so in total, she's got... She's got uh, 153 episodes under her belt from three podcasts. So she has beaten us there, but un only by three apps. And I think we're very soon to eclipse her, uh, notwithstanding the possibility of some. I mean, you might be on a film set and shoot someone, and then we, <laughs> might, have to, we might have to retool. But assuming something like that doesn't happen, we'll be... We'll be way ahead of her in no time. I was gonna I was gonna save this for later in the podcast, but seeing as the start of the show has been very podcast industry, I thought I, I actually have some statistics in front of me about the most popular styles of podcast. So Pew Research, mm. which is a very reputable research body, did mm. did some has done quite extensive research on podcasts over the last few years. And so they have some they 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 did some surveys in 2022 so this is quite recent statistics yeah. that they gathered and this is america specific but it could probably be mapped on to most english-speaking countries i would assume so do you mm -hmm. know what the number one podcast topic is genre genre what mm. what would be the number one genre sex. of podcast do you is think sex Sexual health, sexuality, history? No, history is one, two, three, four, five, six is is history. Oh, it's not even close. Um, it's your favorite because you're a big because you're a big girl. It's your favorite. Ah, mm. oh, true crime. True crime. There you mm. go. So, true crime in the United States: twenty four percent of the top four hundred and fifty one podcasts, which is pretty crazy. Mm. Of the top four hundred, so they. They basically identified 451 podcasts and said, these are the top-ranked podcasts in the United States. Yep. These are the ones that we're going to analyze. And of them, 24% yeah. were true crimes. Just, just about horrible things human beings do. <laughs> and people go and listen, have their cup of tea and go to sleep. They have a this story about someone getting they have beheaded. A, and they have a glass of Chardonnay and then they call mm. and they go, did you hear the new cereal last night? Oh my God, it was ghastly. <laughs> it was absolutely ghastly, but I absolutely loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Number two. Yeah, there's something that, there's, yeah. something, there's something about hearing about horrible things whilst knowing that you're not, they're not happening to you. That's what they say. The human brain loves well they say this is, I, i'm trying to think how i can say this without i don't think this gets this i'm trying to think of how i can say this and keep the podcast light and fun there sure. has been a suggestion that the reason that women like because for anybody who doesn't know out there i think I actually have this statistic here as well among mm. u.s podcast listeners women are almost twice as likely as men to regularly listen to true crime podcasts 44 mm. percent versus 23 which I think, I think intuitively you wouldn't think that because you would think women are more mm. vulnerable. Why? And also when you when you think when you think violence, you think men, you think action films. You know, when I think yeah. about when I think about a, a gender being more comfortable with violence, I think about men going to see action, blood and gore, where the men always going, yeah, like, and yeah, going, you know. and this guy fucking this serial killer fucking cut his head off. That's yeah. what you imagine happening. <laughs> yeah. 
And yeah. it turns out that it's quite the opposite. And there is some, there is uh, some psychological research that's been done or some theories mm-hmm. that have been put forward and suggested that it may, because women are more physically vulnerable and are the victims of, of uh, violence. violence at the hands of men most typically, mm-hmm. there is some research that suggests that true crime is an avenue through which women are able to control that mm, yeah that Im- that emotion that is that is in them any 24/7 anyway yeah. because they are more vulnerable and through true yeah. crime they're able to kind of explore it in a safer way because it's not yeah real yeah i wonder if that's the if a lot of horror has the same motive you know this idea that people get this twin feeling of being titillated and also kind of appalled but it's you know it certainly doesn't mean that you would go, you know, that that person has any appetite for anything bad in real life. But no, yeah, it's that kind of it's that ability to explore, let your brain explore some horrendous possibility in the in a kind of safe and fictional, yeah, or at least say, with your, with, safe and abstract space, with your polar fleece blanket on, a cup of tea mm. and some biscuits, just listening yeah, to good. just listening to some horrible story about somebody getting dismembered and put in. Mm. Put I've in been, I've been listening soup. to, I've been watching old X Files episodes, and I can relate to that feeling because I just love settling in and watching. Scully and Mulder on the trail of some horrible man that collects human toenails. <laughs> <laughs> number number two is politics and government, John, in the top four hundred and fifty oh, yeah. at ten yep. at ten percent. Then you got entertainment, pop culture, and the arts. So that would be us. Okay. I yeah. Think, okay. And at nine, we're all of them really. We are. It's we true. Probably we haven't. Have... We could probably do a little bit more. Maybe we'll just talk more about i mean we did actually in the early episodes we talked a little bit about the summerton man which is a great yeah, adelaide that's true. mystery and that did pretty well and i said "Nah, i'm not going to give you people what you want you got the <laughs> summerton man now back to <laughs> silly stories about celebrities <laughs> about the 90s more stories yeah, about right. the 90s well it's funny yeah we've t- we, we've touched on most of yeah. these so i'll go through them quickly so it goes true crime mm. Yes, Summerton mm-hmm. Man, tick, don't praise the machine. Politics and government. Mm-hmm. Can you think of any politics and government? We certainly touch mm. on elements of that that are politics and government adjacent because you can't really ignore them. Yeah. We've certainly spoken about the Chinese Communist Party and TikTok <laughs> and things like That's that true. quite a bit. Yeah, we don't we don't like to get into the weeds in a serious way, but we do obviously what everything that you hear on the podcast you can assume has had the tick of approval from the CCP Politburo or whatever the um, the upper echelons are because we've got to put this stuff on TikTok and she isn't going to take kindly to uh, to the wrong sort of stuff. So he doesn't mind us talking about silly things. So that's what we do. <laughs> he, he called us directly and said that. Hmm. Guys, yeah, exactly. get a very thick Australian. Guys, I don't mind if you talk about silly things. That's not particularly <laughs> yeah. dangerous to me and my regime. But uh, yeah, just keep it light, all right? Yeah, talk about Will Smith and the Slap. <laughs> Love that episode. Keep that coming. <laughs> but uh, I don't want to hear. I know you've I've let you get away with a couple of little cheeky uses of the word Uyghur, but I don't want to hear them anymore. You got you get maybe another <laughs> one or on, two guys. of them in you, and then we're gonna have trouble. Number. <laughs> so then we've got. Entertainment, pop culture, and the arts. I'd say that's pretty much where we slot in. Yeah. Where we slot in more typically. Mm-hmm. Number four. I think this is probably my... I feel like this is this is what I bring to the table a little bit more. We've got self-help and relationships. I don't know about relationships. Mm. I'd say I'm maybe more self... I mean, you're the one in the relationship, and I'm the mm. one who needs a tremendous amount of self-help and help from others. <laughs> I mean, I plead for we help. We do have Dutchies. Alex, you're the Dutchies one who pleads for tips. help. Yeah, that's right. Look at it's a rich history. I mean, you've told everyone how to fix a sticky lock, how to <laughs> save money on your groceries. I've lectured everybody about how to have conversations properly. Yeah, that's right. Lots of conversational tips. There's a lot of people out there who are better off, I think, 
uh, three years on. Well, I would like to think they of were, the, yeah. they, were, they were struggling at parties and they'd kind of leave the party early because they fucked up a conversation. <laughs> and then they'd go home and spend 20 minutes trying to get into their flat because their lock was stick, sticky. <laughs> now they've know they know to rub a rubber pencil, graphite pencil yeah. against your key, you know, unstick that lock. And this one actually came up again recently for me, but I I do want to say anybody out there, I hope that there's a few people out there that were maybe before they started listening to Don't Praise the Machine, maybe they unknowingly mm-hmm were the person at the pub who was high-fiving all of their friends during uh, <laughs> you'd go out you'd go out for a for a for a nice drink with your friends and you'd yep. be sitting there and your friends would be adding to the conversation and saying funny things and then rather sure. than you just being quiet or saying something <laughs> yourself you decided to just wait until your friend had told a joke and everybody was laughing and then even though your friend had their hands resting in their lap you yeah. leant over and put your hand in their face and insisted that because they'd said something <laughs> funny, they now yeah. they were now required to reach up and touch your hand. And mm. I'd like to think that now people go, oh, that's why I stopped getting invited to the pub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Or the, uh, the old derail without rerail where they say, I thought you said blah. And you go, well, I didn't, and now you've ruined the momentum of my story. <laughs> That's so right. if you're going to say that, can you quickly move past that and get me back on track to continue my anecdote? That's right. So for anybody, mm. for anybody who's not familiar with those two bits of lore of the show, I'm, mm. I'm not a big fan of, I don't want to be high-fived by anybody who's not very close to me, and I certainly yeah. don't want to be high-fived for something that I've said uh if yeah. i've said something funny and you've not said anything i don't need your approval with a putting a hand up <laughs> and saying i need to high five you that'll be the end of us yeah uh and secondly as john said i usually i'm much more of a dick in real life but i usually play good cop in these segments and pretend <laughs> that i'd be the kind of guy who everyone could just high five but the truth is i get annoyed as well <laughs> and the other one yeah the other one was if somebody interrupts you if somebody derail, if you're in a conversation mm. and somebody derails the conversation by interrupting, and the example that I was giving was if somebody, if somebody mishears you and then wants to focus yeah. on what they misheard, even though there's no value in that whatsoever. Mm. What did you say? Oh, you yeah. said oh, you said oh, I put the cat outside. I thought you said you put the hat outside, and I was like, <laughs> why would he be putting his hat outside? Yeah. And, uh, if that's what you're doing, which adds no value to the conversation, then it's mm. then you better really quickly. Just, just yeah. remember, you don't have to say anything. It's so, okay. You don't have to say anything, but if you do, it just generally speaking, if you interrupt somebody, if you yeah. de- if you derail, you got to rerail. So you got to go. You better rerail. Sorry about that, Mike. I threw you off track there. You were saying about yeah. the and 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 the um. The pro move is let's say yeah. let's say you're talking to Darren and Darren was talking about w- winning a big bet at the at the track. We talked about greyhounds last week. Darren's won a big bet at the greyhound track. He was talking about that. You interrupted yep. him because it made you think of something that you thought was you wanted to add. Yeah, you've added it, and then you've gone. Sorry about that, Darren. You were talking, and that's that's you, you, back to you, Darren. That's fine. That's yeah. one level of rerail, but pro rerail. Yeah. Is because Darren might have kind of forgotten what he was talking about. So it's your job to remember what Darren was talking about and go, sorry about that, mm. Daryl. You're talking about you're at the Greyhound track. You made the bet and uh, we were waiting to see what uh, happened after that. And then Darren's like, yes, yeah. that's and exactly where I was. It was Darren. It's Darren. <laughs> you just call me Daryl. <laughs> and we have. But money. at least I re-railed it, Daryl. <laughs> I also like to just become that kind of character, that that particularly recognisable Australian character. When I do interrupt people, yeah. I go from being like this, and then I, and then I'll and I'll even I'll even do the interrupt like this. I'll go, oh, that actually that that reminds me. Yesterday, something very similar happened to me. This must be happening to people all the time now. Ah, uh, sorry about that, Darren. Um, you were talking earlier about you at the Greyhound track, and uh, and something was <laughs> yeah. happening with the betting. 
oh, I can't wait to hear the end of that story, mate. It's <laughs> <laughs> very incongruent person. Eyes back on Darren, everybody. <laughs> eyes, um, guys, eyes back on Darren. John, we've got we've got history. You've done a bit of history on the cast. Yeah, I suppose I have. I mean, the Summerton Man is a good example of something that crosses between true crime and history because it's you know it's an old story. It incorporates a little bit of Adelaide as it was. We've got. I mean, I I don't know what other history have, have I talked about. I suppose we've. <clears throat> Well, you talked we last done. week about you, t- you talked last week about the history of Cooper the South Australian the opal town. We've certainly talked about modern history as a discipline and why we have such a difficult time remembering the nineties. Yeah, in the same way that we do the seventies history. We, we talk, talk about nineties history a lot. Yeah, we talk about technological history. So you know, how did we get from? Remember we talked about this, you know, those kind of systems that you used to have on TVs. Yeah, where teletext. Teletext. And they, you know, that was a kind of what some people refer to as the horse-drawn internet. Mm-hmm. So we talked about that and how it led to the internet. We have as well and here. And sometimes I'll just. Yeah, go on. Uh, I'll sometimes just for the philosophy graduates, I'll just throw in an Easter egg where I'll directly quote from <laughs> ancient philosophy and see if anyone gets it. But. <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to tell true. you where. That's a, that's for you. We have religion. Two percent of all podcasts are about religion. Imagine mm, that. Really? That's not in my. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm not a religious man myself, so I don't mm. have any religion podcasts in my aggregator. The, but I guess I mean religions no. are themselves very popular. So I can imagine that there'd be. I should probably check them out. I'm sure Marky Mark. Marky Mark must. <laughs> He certainly must be a guest on religion, yeah. on religion podcasts. We've, we've obviously we've talked about him and his great cooperation with the Hello app. Yeah, and we've talked stay about our up. own the way the same hashtag stay prayed up, and we've talked about the way that our own lives and uh, headspaces have been contaminated by. <laughs> That's right. We did that. We did that last week, and then we have yeah. science and technology. Well, I guess certainly technology mm. we talk a lot about, and then health, and then there's mm. then and then twenty percent are multiple topic podcasts, which I guess that would be more yeah. us. Guess guess that's us. We're everything, and I guess I'd say our podcast community has a religious dimension to it. I think we, I think a lot of people look to us for a sense of faith in the modern world, yeah. and some of the emails that we get. Verge on. Sometimes I worry if we're going to get, uh, if the FDA is going to start bulldozing my house or something because <laughs> it's it's all a bit culty. But uh, we appreciate them. Can I, I, I? Yeah, go on. Yeah, sorry. Keep going. I just I've got I've just got three more sentences just to chuck in some interesting stats that you might want to jump Do on it. and have a say. So sorry. we've got forty nine percent of U.S. adults said in twenty twenty two that they'd listen to at least one one podcast. I mean, these should get mm-hmm. you excited, John, because just think about all the moolah that's out there waiting for us. This is twenty twenty two, and things are only looking up. So we got forty nine percent of U.S. adults. Forty nine percent of U.S. adults said they had listened to at least one podcast in twenty twenty two. Over yep. half. Now you're gonna love this. You're gonna absolutely love this. Over half <laughs> of all podcasts now. Have a video content, and John, so does yours. We did it. We did it. We got there. We I'm have so it. glad to be in the in the part of that pie that has it. Look at me. And why don't you, why don't you not tell the part that's falling behind? And tell- next time somebody says to me, "I haven't heard your podcast, but I don't really listen to podcasts," I'm going to say, "Do you know how how?" Behind the times you are because forty nine percent of adults in twenty twenty two, so it's probably crossed over in a majority yeah, now. Absolutely, are listening to podcasts. Do you really want to be in the sad forty eight percent along with all the eighty five plus year olds who've never heard of a podcast? <laughs> you could also say, <laughs> you could also say, oh, you don't listen to podcasts. Have you heard of YouTube? Have you been on YouTube? Yeah. And then you can say, well, we're on YouTube. And I'm saying that to everybody else that's out there now. You're listening to us mm. right now. Me and John are coming to you live and direct in video form. Just YouTube. Go to YouTube. Put in Don't Present Machine, the podcast. We're going to come straight up. 
I've got a beautiful green and blue background as I mm. delve more into my – I adjust my studio each and every week here on Don't Praise the Machine to get it – to start getting more and more like a real like a real tubeman. Last couple of stats, mm. John, want to tell you that 76% of the top-ranked podcasts brought on at least one guest in 2022. Forget about that. What a fucking waste of time <laughs> getting a guest on. If you out there have any ideas for the mm. show, anything that we spoke about, <clears throat> I know a few people have asked that we talk more about dating and relationships, which is always yeah. good fodder. And mm. I'm, I'm very, I, I, I have a lot of opinions to offer on yeah. on that, but. Uh, but get us cancelled. <laughs> They'll all get us cancelled. They're all those opinions. They're all very retrograde. All of my, <laughs> all of my dating. Yeah, opinions. Simon Schumann, your friend and mine, has asked to be on the podcast. Oh, is that right? To the extent that I thought he was joking initially, and now I'm not so sure. And I just want to say, uh, get it if you're in Adelaide, get down to the Olivia Hotel because it's a beautiful pub. It's one of my faves in the whole town mm. probably one of my faves in the world but simon i love you but you can't come on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> now john you've got a huge list of 150 episode special topics that mm. you want to get in john keeps, get through, john keeps just... john keeps writing to me in the chat <laughs> on the screen here on app squad saying <laughs> I shut say up about shut up about this this now i told you in the week i had a whole bit that i'd done and I'm just can't get a word in edgeways here. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> and I'm just smiling at you on camera here and going, and I'm just going, oh, number four is with four percent. <laughs> History is really popular, and then I'm just typing, fucking, why don't you fucking shut your mouth, you can <laughs> in the chat. People, the analytics show that people don't give a fuck what you bring to the table, and then this, this is actually really fucking good. Yeah, no, this is, and that's why we do all different types of. St we do a little bit of self help stuff on the podcast, and then I'm just sending him like angry face, angry face, angry face in the chat. <laughs> all oh, fucking walk. I've just written. I'll fucking walk. I'll fucking walk. I'll fucking walk. Yeah. <laughs> Just, de just dead air. I'd love that. And you don't end the podcast. You just try and cover for the fact that one of us is gone. Um, no, all I was going to say is because it just reminded me when we started talking about our coverage of modern history and our coverage specifically of the 90s, you might remember that almost exactly 50 episodes ago, episode 102, which we called Lava Will Tear Us Apart Again. We talked about the spate of disaster films that that yeah. came up in the 1990s and it kind of reached its peak, its Dante's peak, if you like, <laughs> with, the, uh, with the release of two volcano movies in the same year that sort of spurred them into a strange competition to be the best and most plausible uh, account of a volcano explosion in the United States. But I was reminded of that period the other day because during the Super Bowl, there was an ad for a film which is essentially a remake or a reboot, or I think it's actually being called a, a standalone sequel. It's, sorry? It's a re-disaster. Re-disaster, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's an aftershock, I think they call it, <laughs> to the 1990s classic Twister. Now, some people will only know the, the word Twister from the 1960s Milton Bradley game <laughs> where, you, where you have a mat and you get into weird pretzely shapes. That's not what I'm talking about. Many of you will remember that in the 90s there was a, a film about Storm Chasers Who Chased Tornadoes, which came out in 1996. It was a memorable entry in that kind of uh, canon of disaster films that yeah. I've made reference to. Is it Helen Hunt? And it, Is that Twister? It starred Helen Hunt, yeah, who was a hero of the 90s. And also the late, great Bill Paxton, who coincidentally is in True Lies and... He might have been the inspiration for us to start talking about True Lies. Yeah, so I think that's right. It all comes back to 
to Bill. We used to sometimes close out the show by saying, we thank you, Bill Paxton. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, and so that was 1996. Now, during the Super Bowl, there's an ad for a film called Twisters, plural, which is a standalone sequel to Twister. And what I particularly enjoyed about this, aside from the fact that such a vacuous film is being recycled, is the kind of particularly 2020s themes around the film's development and the reactions to it. So I'll I'll get into what I mean. So, you know, in the 90s, you had this film come out. What, 96? I mean, the internet was kind of in its infancy. And I'm sure that a lot of people just thought, great, it's a popcorn classic. It's a blockbuster. It's about storm chasers. It's going to have some cool special effects. They might have been lucky enough to see in the preview the bit where the cow gets picked up and spun around in the tornado, which was a real highlight for a lot of yeah, people I know. Yeah, that iconic, iconic scene. Iconic scene. It was a good use, early use of some CGI. And so it's kind of simpler times, you know, and people were happy to just be entertained by twaddle about tornadoes. But now what happens? You have this trailer you know, it's just a trailer. It goes for two minutes, not even the film. It, it's broadcast during the Super Bowl and it's barely had time to land and there's a whole spate of articles which are about the response on the internet, of course, uh, and in the kind of general zeitgeist just arising from the trailer, um, some of which dealt with the themes that were revealed or implied in the trailer and some of which dealt with stories around the film's development. So... There was a Washington Post article, for example, which described how many viewers took to social media to express their their angst, their discomfort about the fact that in one of the scenes from the trailer, the protagonists appear to be kind of huddling beneath an overpass. Now, of course, you know as well as I do that bridges can create a funneling effect during <laughs> tornadoes, which actually speeds them up, speeds up the wind speeds. So it's quite dangerous and inadvisable to shelter under an overpass during a twister. And Rick Smith, who's a meteorologist in Oklahoma, he's on the he's at the National Weather Service. I think he might be on TV there. He says on on uh, X, formerly Twitter, it, and it's recorded in this Washington Post article, he says there are some strong reactions to the trailer within the weather community. And now I know you love communities and I bet that you're thrilled to hear now there's a weather community and Ted Lamo, who our listeners and viewers in South Dakota, many of them will know, was is on the local Kevin TV station. He's the uh, weatherman there. He said angrily, I don't think the trailer should be shown in a major motion picture, let alone, sorry, I don't think that scene should be shown in a, in a trailer in a major motion picture, let alone in a trailer that's aired during the largest television event in America. So there was a bit of consternation among storm experts that people would get the wrong idea. The next time there's a tornado, they'd say, I remember seeing the trailer (laughs) from the film Twisters during the Super Bowl. Twisters, And for about five seconds, people huddled under a bridge. So I guess that is the gospel about what you should do during a storm, Uh, which I think tells you something about their you might think somewhat infantilized view of human beings and how they're influenced in their conduct, but never mind. The other thing that people were worried about was that the film would encourage more people to flock to what's described in the Washington Post as article as a popular sport of storm, uh, storm chasing, uh. which of course has caused issues in the past where, you know, too many storm chasers have, have, uh, converged at the wrong place, you get traffic jams, you get some accidents, and it makes it harder to manage the storm response. And Jennifer Stark, who is a storm chaser and meteorologist student from Texas, who's got a quite a big following on social media, said, this is going to make chaser convergence a million times worse. Now, what I found puzzling about that is that She's a storm chaser herself, but she's obviously feels entitled to gatekeep the sport (laughs) of storm chasing uh, and says, well, you know, she hasn't been 
She hasn't been. Uh, <laughs> she hasn't really thought about the fact that it's okay for me to do something, which if everyone <laughs> did, it would be a problem. She hasn't read her Emmanuel Kant, but she says, uh, <laughs> she says it'll make it a million times worse. And some people. So you got the concerns about funneling under the bridge. Got concerns about storm chasing being encouraged, and you also had these controversies, which I was totally unaware of around the film's development. So. Turns out that Helen Hunt herself, star of the original film, had co-written and proposed a screenplay for the reboot with a guy named David Diggs. And she was interested in both being in and obviously co-writing and also directing the sequel. And so she said in an interview a while back, she said, I tried to get it made with David and another guy called Raphael Casal and her writing it. And she emphasized that it was all black and brown. This is a quote, all black and brown storm chasers, and they wouldn't do it. I was going to direct it. We could barely get a meeting. And this is in June of 2020 when it was all about diversity. It would have been so cool. Doing a diverse twister. She proposed a diverse twisters. And I found it a bit on the nose that she said, and this is in June of 2020 when it was all about diversity. I mean, if you believe in diversity, don't, it doesn't, not just like a fad that occurred in the middle of 2020. Anyway, then she says there was a HBCU, which is a historically black college and university. Uh, it, it was at HBCU where we wanted to take place and there's a rocket science club there and they shoot rockets into the tornado in her script and it would have been so cool. And Diggs, David Diggs, who was the co-writer, said, the studio had rejected it for, quote, potentially shady reasons, he went on, but shady in a way that we know the industry is shady. And I guess what he was referring to there, although he was careful to be indirect, is the tendril-like influence of the deeply conservative storm-chasing lobby in Hollywood, <laughs> which uh, doesn't like contemporary reframing of storms, particularly wind-based storms and the chasing of those storms so that's an unfortunate dead end for helen hunt she's not i don't think in twisters but who knows we haven't seen the whole thing yet and one of the other uh bits of commentary that i picked up on people pointed out that mark l smith who's one of the writers behind twisters told the publication collider that the Twisters sequel was prompted by his concerns around climate change. He said, Uh, I talked to so many storm experts, tornado experts, storm chasers, and went on the road with some of them. And he says, because of climate change, what used to be Tornado Alley going through a certain stretch now extends further east. It's moving across. The dates are wider. The numbers are higher. The storms themselves are more violent. So we use elements of that to shine a light on it, the causes and effects of climate change. Well, Al, I'd like to say congratulations to Mark L. Smith for his work in highlighting the broadly overlooked issue of climate change. And I want to say that I feel very grateful that we live in a time where it's not enough for people to just enjoy the inane spectacle of a cl- of a cow being spun around in a windstorm, <laughs> you know, in a film about twirly storms and the people that chase them. We recognise that a two-minute trailer is a great way to admonish and educate each other and (laughs) have a proxy war about our cultural differences and, above all, to elevate and support the weather community. (laughs) Oh, that was great, John. I, I I love that Twister's created such a wide variety of controversies that I could have never mm. have I could have never have guessed that the weather community, the storm chasers, mm. Helen Hunt, yeah. everybody is everybody's upset at this yeah at this movie. Exactly. And nobody and nobody's upset about it for the right reason, which is that it's a reboot, which is the first thing exactly. that everybody should just say this is this is the worst thing about this film. But <laughs> That's right. weather, the weather community. The weather community sounds like a community that I could really be a part yeah, that'd of. Yeah, I think they'd be quite sweet. Just you know, you go out to the balloon launching ceremonies and <laughs> talk to them about barometric pressure and and I don't know cirrus clouds. Seems nice. 
and you know how the community keeps getting angry when predictions are wrong but that's just because they don't understand the science of probability i'm sure they've got lots of uh grievances and enthusiasms uh and and i'm i'm glad to be an ally of the weather community <laughs> here on the show <laughs> you yourself would not identify as being a member of that community because no, couldn't because that would that yeah, mm. that would be improper for you to say, mm. for you to claim, for you to claim membership yeah. of that community. But no, but I'm I'm an ally, I'm a supporter, <laughs> and uh, I mean my interest in meteorology is casual at best, and so it would be an affront to the personal investment that they've made in that in that community <laughs> to, for me to come along and centre myself. Uh, but instead, I just try to elevate them and, and their <laughs> movies about windy storms. <laughs> John, I was going to do this at the start of the show. This is a very start of the show bit, so I'm not really sure how it's going to. F- it's quite, it's quite silly and light, which I usually front load the show with. But then I did the podcast mm-hmm. statistics bit first. But I'm just going to run <laughs> through this bit, and we'll see. Yeah, sure. What everybody thinks. I had one of those moments where I where something happened to me. And I thought, this is, I haven't spoken about this on the podcast. I think about this all the time, but I haven't spoken about it on the podcast. So as you will know, John, I'm not one, I'm not one to brag. I, most of the mm-hmm. time I have no reason to brag. I'm very bad at maths. I'm very bad at logic. I'm unable to hold any more than three concepts in my mind at any one time. <laughs> I'm a bit of a doofus, but there are a few <laughs> strange talents that I have mm-hmm. that I am quite happy to share with people and let them know that that's something that's a little bit special about me. And one of them came up maybe two days ago, maybe even yesterday in the kitchen. Before, you, before I tell you about that one, it made me think of another one that I might have mentioned mm-hmm. on the podcast before, but I'll mention that one first. And that is that <clears throat> I'm incredibly good at remembering and recognizing faces and voices in a way that's almost Mm. spooky and i thought it was a thing that everybody could do Mm. and then i realized i think through watching television commercials or whatever and i would just instantly go oh that's this celebrity doing the voiceover on the commercial and i was just able to get everyone so Mm. the same thing would happen when i would watch animated film so i'd be watching a feature Mm. film a feature animated film and i could pick every major celebrity voice that the, mm. the every character that was being voiced by a celebrity, I would just go bang, bang, bang. <laughs> Even whereas, whereas people like me would be like, I think that one's Gilbert Godfrey, <laughs> but I can't. I don't know about all the rest of them. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it would be Meryl Streep, and you'd go, I think that's yeah, Gilbert. That's right. I think that's Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> but I would even get really oddly obscure. I, I remember the, the. I remember I already had an inkling that this was something that might be quite unique to me, my ear and my eye for this kind of stuff. And I went to see mm. Where the Wild Things, not Where the Wild Things Are. No, Where the Wild Things Are. Do you remember there was a Where the Wild mm-hmm. Things Are film in 2009 that I've completely forgotten about? I saw it once, remember quite enjoying yeah. it at the cinema, and then I never saw it again and never thought of it. 2009, mm. that came out. There you go. But I remember watching that, and one of the wild things had about like two lines, and I just went... Mm. That's Lauren Ambrose, the daughter from the HBO television program Six Feet Under. It's, and she's, wow. a, she's a very nondescript voice, Lauren Ambrose. Yeah. And she's a kind of yeah. back. She's not the main character in Six Feet Under. Admittedly, Six Feet mm. Under was on at the time, and Lauren Ambrose was kind of a celebrity at the time, I guess. But I remember yeah. just other people looking at me and going, that's weird. How are you able, yeah. how are you able to do that? Then in London City Airport... About four years ago, I was in Starbucks and it was mm-hmm. the airport was like packed and it's London. I'm from Adelaide mm. and I was not paying attention to anything. And suddenly I was just scanning the crowd, probably daydreaming. And then something in my brain just said that, you know, that person. And it just cut through the crowd. This person about yeah. 25 meters away from me. And my brain just went, you know, that person. And I guess what had happened is my brain had the body language and walking gait and height of this person stored somewhere in mm. my memory. And, mm. and it took me, I remember, probably five seconds. The first message my brain got was, you know this person. So instant mm-hmm. familiarity. And then I was like, mm. how do I know this person? And then I reckon five seconds later, it went, 
that's Robert Condina from St. Ignatius that you went to school with that you haven't <laughs> seen for over 20 years. And yeah, he, he's, just nice. in this, he's just in this London airport now. And then this yeah. other part of my brain went, no, it's not. You're going to embarrass yourself. Don't, what, what are the odds? Don't go up and talk to him. Mm. And eventually I plucked up the courage and I just went up to him and I said, excuse me, mate, are you Robert Condina? And he just turned to me and just went, he recognized me instantly. He just went, oh, it's so good. You look exactly the same, which is exactly what you want to hear when you haven't seen yeah. somebody for 20 years. Mm. And I, in fact, once. what I get. <laughs> you look like a bag of rocks. Oh, you look a- like you ate. People say, you look like you ate, John. <laughs> uh so anyway, that's that's my talents. Very good at very good at picking faces. Remember people yeah. from years ago. Remember very obscure people. Remember once seeing a play in London about twelve years ago, and then about f- five years later, there was a guy. There was an usher at a different theatre in London, and I was like, "Yeah, you were you were you were in that play five years ago on?" And he was <laughs> like, "How the fuck do you?" No, he was like, "Yeah, what the fuck do you know that?" <laughs> Uh, I actually once did an FBI facial recognition test online, oh. and at the end of the test, it said, "Are you interested in working for the FBI?" <laughs> that's what that's what the computer program said at me. This week, there I was in my know. kitchen. I have another talent, which is completely unrelated, but I'm just saying that's that's yeah. one of my secret talents. But I do love this talent. So I was drying Dutchie's a mu- talent show. <laughs> this segment's called. It's yeah. called Dutchie's, <laughs> Dutchie's talent, talent show. time. Dutchie's yeah. young talent time. <laughs> and I was in my kitchen and I was drying a, a mug, a ceramic mug. And it actually can be quite yeah. slip, slippery, this mug. Mug slips out of my hand, okay? So suddenly yeah. the mug is falling to the floor and my kitchen is tiled. So it's about to be ceramic on ceramic. Smash mm. is imminent. Quick as a flash, <laughs> I shot yeah. out my foot and let the mug strike my soft foot and ankle and take maybe 70% of the impact of the mug, suddenly yeah. the mug gently bounces to the floor. And I cannot tell you the amount so of times that I have dropped- talent <laughs> dropping mugs? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I drop a mug like nobody <laughs> you've ever seen before. <laughs> I, I have dropped- fragile things so many times by accident and prevented yeah. them from breaking by shooting out my foot and making mm. contact with the object in fractions of a second so, like such fractions of a second that yeah. you and the rest of our feeble-minded audience cannot comprehend <laughs> the speed at which I'm shooting out my foot in reaction it, to be dropping uh, things which also I don't know I can see how that would also be useful in the FBI. You've got a kind of, you've got sort of a couple of spy tendencies. But they're just, they're just too different from each other to make a clear, sort of Jason Bourne esque persona. But yeah. in situations where you have to say, like a nuclear warhead comes loose and starts rolling down a hill, you just <laughs> stop it with your foot, and then you say, "That's that terrorist from," you know, we. We, we interrogated that guy 25 years ago in Cuba, and there yeah. he is. That's him. <laughs> if anybody else does this, if anybody else shoots out their foot to mm. to break the fall of fragile objects that they've dropped, please let me know because I've never heard of this before. I've never heard anyone talking about this before, <laughs> and I, I don't know why because it's such a fun – it's such an interesting thing to talk about on a podcast is to say <laughs> – I'm really great at shooting my foot out to break the fall of yeah. fragile objects and guide them. Because you can imagine, mm. I think- That's I a think good even, title for the episode, actually. I think even sometimes, much like a, much like a football player, like, mm. like Messi or Ronaldo, to, to, <laughs> to take, the, to take the, the power <clears throat> off the ball. Yeah. When somebody does a massive cross across the field in soccer- I forget what it's called, oh, but yeah. you do. I think it's called making the ball dead or something. Where instead of mm. instead of you le- letting it hit, for anyone who's not watching the YouTube video, watch the YouTube video f- right now for me to express this visually. Yeah, the the ball. If it if you don't move your foot when somebody passes a very, yeah. it hits the ball hits your foot really hard and then bounces yeah. away. So what the what gifted players do is they take their foot back, absorb. They absorb yeah. the. And I think I even do that. So I think I even. 
do this. With hey, mugs. Think, think I do this. It's falling. And then I really quickly go <laughs> down like that. Go yeah, for our listeners, Al's just doing a... Yeah. It's hard to describe, actually, putting his... <laughs> <laughs> it's both difficult and embarrassing to describe what Al's doing. <laughs> I saw a lovely... Um, must have been a YouTube clip where, you know, mid-game, it's some sort of international European game and or maybe it's not maybe it's like a national league but it's a pretty high profile it's a big crowd and one of the coaches who's you know an old kind of ex-player there's a ball that sort of goes out of bounds and he just instinctively does a really excellent dead ball with quite a like high strong kick and then the audience just is like giving him a standing ovation you can see he's sort of looking very serious and coachy but then he kind of lightens up a bit and waves at the crowd and you just think, oh, he's kind of had a glimmer of, you know, being a younger man and and being a crowd pleasing football champion, and he's uh, he's now he's got to go back to being the old coach. But he still had those. <laughs> he still had it in him. Still had those skills still drilled in. So if anybody mm. if anybody has done this, please write in and let us know. DPT hello, sorry, <clears throat> please write in email hello at dptm.org, or you can also shoot mm. us a message on Instagram if you've got that open. Because as I say, I've never spoken about this publicly before, this talent. My mm. ability to stop fragile objects from breaking when I drop them because I absorb the, the impact with my foot. And also, if anybody has any tips on how my two skills can be monetized, because well, it's I, a story of my uh, life that my talents don't make <laughs> me any income. And I was just going to say to our to our followers, if you, um, if you're somebody who breaks a lot of mugs, you know, you might think that a two hundred and fifty dollar course about how to stop mugs PDF with your foot is a bit is a bit steep. But it only takes like a like five or six expensive mugs for that course to pay for itself. So <laughs> yeah, particularly, I mean, maybe particularly one vase. If you one mm, va- if you exactly. save one vase, you've you've yeah. you've paid that, that then my course has paid for itself. Then Al's mm. soft footed takedown PDF has paid for itself. <laughs> and I thought John I just thought John that would just be the end of the show, that bit. That'd I, be great, yeah. <laughs> you mean the whole podcast. <laughs> just <laughs> the whole podcast. <laughs> And not really even do a proper goodbye to the audience, but just <laughs> the people would say, I used to really enjoy this podcast. And then they did 150 episodes. And one of the hosts, yeah. I think, I think he'd, I think he'd had a lot of stress on him. He told a weird story about how he broke, <laughs> he saved a 50 cent IKEA Mate. mug from smashing on his yeah. kitchen floor by hitting it with his foot. Then he he told everyone to sign up for his course, but he never actually put out any details. He just disappeared. (laughs) John, do you want to do you want to say anything to anybody out? I mean, there'll be there'll be DPTM completists out there. I certainly know my mother is one of them. Shout out Marie Mm. and probably Dad as well. Shout out Marie and Stephen. I think they're DPTM completists who have listened to every beautiful single episode. That is amazing, Uh, and I do want to. Sincerely thank you, of course, and those people. And in the early episodes of the show, I remember thinking, because people would say to me, oh, I went, you know, I drove from uh, Melbourne to Ballarat and I listened to your podcast the whole way. That's a few hours for those who are, it's probably, not, it's probably a couple of hours for those who don't know. And then as the podcast grew, I thought, could you, and I remember mentioning this, could you do a long haul flight and listen to the podcast, just pop it on as the plane's taking off. And then, you know, as you're landing in in London or New York, you take it, you go, well, yeah, I'm just about at the end of the podcast. But we must now be at the point where if you say, well, an average podcast, because some of the early ones were shorter, but the average might be now about 40 minutes. What do you reckon? Yeah, Let's they're getting closer four- to, to an hour now. Yeah. But if you say all the ones, all the ones balance that out a bit so we'll say 40 minutes times 150 that's 6,000 minutes and so it's you know i mean malcolm gladwell says 10,000 hours 
but I think he just pulled that out of his ass, to be honest. I'm not sure there's any science behind that. But what's that divided? That's 100 hours, right? So you could now do, you could now do what? I don't know. Like f- you could do five flights but to and from, five really long haul flights. And the whole way you could just be listening to the podcast. You wouldn't repeat it at all. Now that's got to take care of some people's travel for the next decade, and I'm jealous because I don't have anything <laughs> like that to distract me for 100 hours. Um, but no, thank you very much to all of you who've listened for that long, who've been part of the DPTM community, particularly if you've invited others into that community. And if you've come along more recently, we're very excited to have you along for the ride as well. I hope you've been enjoying the new ventures into reels and into uh, the newsletter, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. And we're just getting started. Um, you know, started. 150, put a zero on that because that's where we're going. Yeah, absolutely. Here's, watch out Joe Rogan and watch out, mm. watch out Jason Bateman and mm. Will Arnett and the other one who mm. just got $100 million for three years yeah. for their podcast, Smartless. Because yeah. I'm telling you right now, we're coming for that moon money. We're coming yeah. for it. We're coming for it. Anyone can just sit around brown-nosing celebrities with their mates. We're doing something different here. Exactly. <laughs> we actually have to come up with shit every single week instead of just going, yeah. oh, it's, oh, you look lovely. Oh, I remember we did, I remember we did that movie together, and then we went to that restaurant afterwards. Oh, my God. Like, we got to actually think yeah. we can't just rely on Natalie Portman popping exactly. up on a on a really poorly mic'd Zoom call because a, a fucking PR person told her she had to do it. And then they yeah. all do false modesty for an hour. This, we don't have, we got, we don't have false, we don't have false modesty. No. We have no modesty. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone from a very, from what I thought was quite a gracious uh, comment or series of comments by me into being a little bit more, <laughs> Critical and puerile, but that's the kind of gamut that we run on the show. It's and dynamic. We thank you for that's being the on that roller coaster with us. Thanks, eats everybody. That's episode number one hundred and fifty. And I really want to say thank. Well, actually, I don't want to say thank you to Squadcast because I just paid for it. But one hundred fifty <laughs> episodes, we're celebrating with an annual Squadcast membership. We've paid one hundred and forty <laughs> US dollars, so we got you, we, you get a special discount if you pay for the whole year instead of month by month. Mm. And lets us record so you know i'm i'm just putting it out there that squadcast is what we're recording on so if there's yeah if there's any problems then everybody's gonna know it's squadcast's fault but i'm yeah. also looking forward to this They're brand new hook. chapter with squadcast and as, as i just our, said quad- as a team part of the dptm team btm but did- colin's uh <laughs> starting to colin our producer starting to look around and wonder what his job is anymore. I think he's getting a bit of relevance deprivation syndrome. He's going, I don't like this. And he's going, guys, I don't trust the Zencaster team. So, okay, we said, all right, fine. We believe you. You've got our best interests at heart. We'll move to Squadcast. Now he's saying to me, I don't know about these guys. I'm saying, Colin, the common denominator here is you, mate. Now, if you want to give me reasons to take you off the payroll, keep talking. (laughs) We do want to say thank you to Colin, our producer, as yeah, well. Thanks, Colin. He's uh he has he has taken some of the load off us after we got him in way back in episode. God knows it's gonna be like pre episode fifty. Did we get Yeah, it must be. Did we get producer Cole in? Thank you so much, everybody. That's been episode number one hundred and fifty of Don't Praise the Machine. We can't wait to see you for the next one hundred and fifty. My name is Alexander Holland, as it is every single week here in Berlin, Germany. It's at a cross for me. It's your number one man with a B-fill from Oxford. And <laughs> uh, what are your other two degrees, John? Told you. The graduate Diploma of Reiki. <laughs> graduate of Reiki. With John's Bachelor of, with John Bachelor of Reiki and his graduate <laughs> diploma in Reiki. Thank you so much, everybody. This has been Don't Praise the Machine. I've been Alexander Holland, and we can't wait. And my other host down there, his name is, your name is? John Maloney. Thank you so much, everybody, and we can't wait to see you next week. Hey.
is the fucking podcast.